Hi, my name's Auden. I use they, them pronouns because I'm a non-binary person, and I currently work as a library technician slash local history librarian for my public library. So that is actually what I wanted to talk to you about. So you recently finished a master's, correct? I am working on my last year, so usually what a lot of people do is they'll do the program like full-time over two years. I'm doing what my friend did and just doing it part-time over three years. So this is my last year. It's a master's of library and information science, and I am doing it online at Simmons University. And that's basically the best place in this area of the country. And I would argue in the whole country to get your library science degree. In the last year, I think I have met so many people in this specific master's program, people who do not know each other at all from all different parts of my life. And I'm like, you too? You're also in this exact same program? So my concentration is in archives management. So I have a librarian job now, but archives is kind of its own thing, but you learn some of the same stuff. About 10 years ago, I kind of got introduced to the idea of archives. It was actually through one of my classes in undergrad at Brandeis. Woo! We were looking at um, some records that the university had purchased from a school that used to be a quote-unquote school for children with mental disabilities. So really horrific stuff reading through the records, but the university archivist helped the class look at all the records and just show us how to handle them, how to use them. And I really liked history. I've always been a bookish type. So I thought, oh yeah, holding, you know, and handling a lot of old stuff and old records sounds really cool. How do I do that? So I asked her after class and she said, let's meet at the archives and I can show you some of the stuff in our collection. I can give you a tour. I can answer any questions you have. She was super nice, really generous with her time. And I asked her, how did you get a start in this career? What do you do? She said, well, you have to get your master's of library science. So, and I got it at Simmons. So that's where I ended up being 10 years later. Is this just a coincidence out of people that I know, or do you find that there is a kind of influx in interest in this field in library sciences right now? I think there is. I think there is a greater interest. There's always been bookish types and nerds, and in basically all of my introduction forums for all my classes, it's like, how did you get interested in library science? And it's always the same cliche story of, I like to read books as a kid, and I always went to the library. And it's so cliche, but it, I still put it in my personal statement, and I still <laughs> got in, so. So apparently they're not tired of hearing that. I think it's definitely gaining more interest, especially with ebooks and audiobooks. It's like, what's the place for libraries? It's like people still have to come in to ask questions sometimes. What do you kind of see being the future of, of this field? Basically away from books, but not getting rid of books entirely, but being more thoughtful about your collection development process. So thinking about more diverse subjects, diverse authors, and what they call own voices books. Actually at our library and I suspect other libraries in this area of Massachusetts, their e-lending budget is larger partly because the licensing fees are bigger with e-books, but they're also have higher circulation numbers, especially during the pandemic. You had a lot more people checking out e-books or, you know, buying stuff from Amazon because they couldn't get to the library. I've seen a lot of libraries create what, you know, like maker spaces. Our library's not fancy enough for that, unfortunately, <laughs> but there is a town nearby that just built a new library and they have a beautiful maker space and we're so jealous. Obviously, you know, it's a place where 
pre-make things, but <laughs> I guess if you're working maybe like doing like video production or you wanted to, I think the makerspace nearby has like a sewing machine or something, just kind of any kind of creative endeavor. And there's dedicated staff usually who help you, you know, operate the equipment or whatever that you're working with and just kind of fostering like creativity. So like instead of reading somebody else's words and absorbing their ideas, you can work on your own and create your own ideas. There's also this trend called the library of things. So people can check out like ukuleles or sewing machines. Second time I mentioned sewing machines, I guess <laughs> I'm really thinking about that, but checking out, you know, like board games or puzzles, even just checking out non-book materials. Are those free resources? Oh yeah, if you're a patron of that library and actually there's about a hundred libraries in like this it's the central massachusetts like library consortium if you're part of that consortium you can use that and you have a library card it's pretty much all free unless like something is lost and there's a replacement fee of course but it's pretty much free it really depends on the individual policy of the library but that's usually how it works it's just it's the kind of thing to me that feels like it would cost money and it's like an absolute marvel that it doesn't (laughs) um there was another phrase that you used owned voices i don't know if i've heard that term is that what you said oh yeah it's own voices so o-w-n voices um, like a book about, you know, a book written by a queer person about maybe that aspect of their identity, but also mm-hmm. other parts of their life. Maybe not necessarily focusing on that. It's not like an issue book that maybe like, you know, a straight author would have written about like a queer character. It's like, I'm a queer person. This is this graphic novel that I wrote about that, whether it's fiction or graphic nonfiction or whatever. That's a term that I see come up a lot. It's what's called an appeal term. And appeal terms are what especially public librarians use to describe books to their patrons. So if if you're trying to, you know, find a book for somebody, they're like, oh, I really like a book like this, or it's it's called Reader's Advisory, and it's it's interesting. I haven't quite mastered it, but, you know, there's certain appeal terms, like, you know, like suspenseful, and one that my director loves bringing up is a strong sense of place. It's, like, set in, like, Jamaica, and you can, like, you know, hear the ocean, and so, like, own voices is one of those other appeal terms okay. as well that is great. And so you are currently working in a library. It's a dual position that my director worked really hard to create when back when he was in this position before he got promoted to director he was you know interim director and then he was working in the job that I am now for about four or five years and he wanted more responsibility so he helped create this role because we have a local history collection at our library most public libraries do you can ask about it they're in various states of organization but he wanted to add that to his job because it's something that really needs care so part of my job is doing that so when I don't have as much to do helping patrons if it's a slow day or it's a longer day I can just you know go upstairs and be like all right I'm gonna go look at the local history collection see if anything needs to be moved around see what the state of it is we're still kind of going through it and figuring out what needs work has there been anything super interesting that you found in going through with that stuff I'll be frank our town is a lot of mill history which industrial revolution and like mill town history kind of bores me to tears (laughs) I think because I've grown up with it sure and you know like we made uniforms for like the union soldiers in the civil war and they came from like our textile mills which is great yeah (laughs) it's interesting to some people it's also the reason why our one of our rivers is so polluted and you don't want to fall in there if you're doing like walking along you don't want to fall in that river it's all kinds of dyes and chemicals but there's a lot of history of like the founders of the town and some of the people like the families in town a there a lot of them are still here and b a lot of the branches of them have gone on to spurn other families like william howard taft the president taft he was you know one of the tafts in our town so he 
you know, part of his family was based in this little town in Massachusetts. If you could be doing kind of exactly what you want to be doing, what would that look like? I would want to work for an LGBT archive, honestly. There's a bunch of types of archives, but there's this one that I'm really interested in, like community archives. They tend to be smaller. The community can be anyone. It can be like a physical neighborhood. It could be a racial group. It could be like just any kind of, you know, queer people. It could be any kind of other like minority group. And they sometimes, you know, like they they help kind of volunteer there. The contents and the, the records are from that group. And I would like to work in a queer community archive. I, I'm pretty sure I think Boston has one. There's one in San Francisco that's, I think, part of, I think it's part of the University of California system now. It's the One Archives. They have a lot of content from, from queer people, a lot of records, just kind of preserving the community records at that time. And then there's one actually that um, Ezra, I think, volunteered in, our friend Ezra oh, okay. volunteered in Brooklyn. It's the, um, it's the lesbian her history archives in oh, Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, like, that one's in, like, it's literally in, like, some lady's house. And there's this one that I was reading about for an assignment in my archives, in one of my archives classes. It was, um, now it's part of, um, I think the University of Vancouver or something. But in British Columbia, this one guy named Ron Dutton, he started an archive in his house, in his, like, two-bedroom apartment with his partner and just boxes were everywhere. And, like, people <laughs> from the community would come. And it lived in his house for so long. And he was like, I feel like I'm the one who can protect these the best because if we give it to an institution who knows what they'll do with it they might erase our history who knows they might not think it's important enough but I know that it's that it matters and I'm gonna protect it like I said like my degree concentration is in archives and part of that comes from being a queer person and seeing history get erased or ignored part of the reason that I think a lot of my classmates actually want to be archivists is because they want to protect that history and they acknowledge the inherent power in archival institutions for decades, you know, centuries, and they want to kind of restore the balance and restore the stories that are there. And that's something that I want to do more in my work and integrate that into my job, if at all possible. This has been day 16 of the February Project September edition, a mini podcast where I make an audio piece of 10 minutes or less every day in the month of September 2021. 